What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. Like we said last time, we are going to try switching up the format a little bit this episode just to see how you guys like it. So we're going to go straight into the main story, which today we are talking about the highly requested Jelani Day and Daniel Robinson. There's been a lot of chat about those cases, a lot of controversy, conspiracy almost, very mysterious. So we're going to get into all that. And then at the end, we're going to talk about case updates, some new cases, more chit chat. So if you like hearing us bullshit, obviously listen to the main episode like you normally would and then stay tuned because we will continue to bullshit after that and have our casual chat. And as always from now on, make sure you check the show notes if you want to go to a certain part in the podcast. We've put them up in for the last few weeks religiously, so we will keep doing that. Mm -hmm. And let us know how you guys like this layout. If you like it a little better, people who don't want to hear us chat, or if you hate it, let us know. We're just testing the waters right now. (laughs) Seeing what works best. So right now it is Thursday, October 21st. We also talked about we might do a recording. If anything significant happens, maybe we'll record right before the episode comes out. But right now, the bulk of this is being recorded on October 21st, Thursday. Just so we know where we are (laughs) update-wise. It's been a crazy day, honestly. (laughs) There's been a lot happening with... Gabby, Brian, we're going to talk about all that at the end. Cleo Smith. Stay tuned. All that at the end. So we're going to start off talking about Jelani Day. I think a lot of you know this case. When Gabby first went missing, he was one of the main cases that people were like, hey, I get you all care about Gabby, but what about Jelani Day? What about Daniel Robinson? So these are cases that were kind of brought to light, especially because of Gabby, of just being like, hey, let's care about these cases too. A growing mystery surrounding the death of Illinois State University grad student Jelani Day. Day, who was studying to be a doctor, was living and going to school in Bloomington, Illinois. He was last seen on campus August 24th. Two days later, his car found an hour north in the town of Peru. A week after that, his body found floating in the Illinois River. The Day family's attorney says loved ones suspect foul play. The wallet was found in a different area. Um, The lanyard, which had his school ID on it, was not found with the wallet. It was found in a different area. Authorities so far only calling the circumstances surrounding the disappearance unusual. The way his vehicle was, you know, it was off of a parking lot. That's very unusual to just find a car like that. Investigators now working to retrace Day's final movements. Johnny Day, he was a 25-year-old man who went missing in August 2021. His body was found in the months after and an investigation into his death is ongoing. This is a super weird one. There is a lot of conflicting information. It's still a lot of we don't even know exactly what's true and what's not true. Like his family hired a private um, investigator. Is it a private investigator? Oh, no, a private pathologist to do an autopsy. That's it. His family hired, like, a private pathologist. They put out their own information that's kind of conflicting with the 
state government information. So it's been a little crazy. So we're going to get into all that. Seems like there's a statement and then the next statement that comes out is the total opposite to what has been said yeah. before. So we've tried to kind of make sense of it all, but it's a bit, um, you know, it's just unusual. It's like everyone has to make their own opinion at yeah. the moment. <laughs> all right. So some background on Jelani. His, a lot of this information comes from an article from the Chicago Sun-Times. So Jelani Jesse Javante Day. He was born on a pre-summer Saturday in June 1996. He was 7 pounds, 9 ounces, and 21 inches long, if you want to know. And he was the fourth of his parents' five children, and he was the youngest of three sons. So he had a lot of siblings. There's a cute little photo that I'll put up on the blog, too, and they just look like, you know, sweet, smiling kids, very happy. I know. <laughs> They're all smiling hard. <laughs> Cheese. <laughs> that's that's exactly it. Um <laughs> So in Swahili, Jelani means great, powerful, full of strength. Jelani grew up in Danville, Illinois. His family was quite religious. Jelani and his siblings were known as Miss Carmen's kids, and they were raised in the Church of God in Christ, where the word of the Lord, nightly bedtime prayers, and even good old-fashioned church shut-ins were a way of life. So they went to church a lot. They prayed a lot. That was kind of their main focus. Um, as an adult, Jelani was six foot one and ran track at Alabama A&M and was attending Illinois State University at the time of his disappearance. He was studying for his master's degree in speech pathology, which I know is very competitive because in high school and college, my best friend at the time was studying that. Super hard to get into. So give him a lot of credit for even getting into a master's program for that. Um, he also belonged to the fraternity Omega Psi Phi. So by all accounts, he was popular and he had a big social circle in college. So on August 23rd, 2021, that was when Jelani last spoke to his family. He was last seen alive on CCTV footage the following day, August 24th. In the footage, Jelani can be seen entering Beyond Hello Cannabis Dispensary at 1515 North Veterans Parkway, Bloomington, Illinois. And there are, the images have been released and they show, oh, I see him. It's just like him standing. Yeah. He's just looking up at like those images. He's, I think he's wearing a hat in the images. He's kind of walking across the parking lot. He's got a t-shirt and shorts on and he kind of looks up like he knows the camera's there. Um, But there's nothing really remarkable about the images. Um, He's holding a mask. Yeah. He's wearing a hat that has like a marlin or a shark or something on it. His shirt looks like it has the Hulk on it, but it's probably not. I don't know. Maybe it is. But um, I can't tell what it says. There's nothing weird. It just looks like the the shot they've released is of him looking directly at the camera. That's it. Yeah. Like when you see a camera, you're like, oh, wow, there's a camera there. Jelani was seen at the dispensary at around 9.15 a.m., bright and early. Authorities later released a security camera image of day at 7.20 a.m. at ISU's Bone Student Center. So when Jelani didn't attend class at Illinois State University for a few days, his parents became worried and they reported him missing on August 25th. Jelani's vehicle was also unable to be located at this time. The Bloomington Police Department issued this statement. It says, The Bloomington Police Department continues to investigate the circumstances behind the missing person Jelani Day. BPD has obtained a new video of Day from a surveillance camera. The surveillance camera footage shows Day entering a retail store called Beyond Hello in Bloomington, Illinois, on Tuesday, 
August 24th at 9.12 a.m., which is the dispensary we were just talking about. It actually says in the next thing what he showed. He said it's not the whole Jimmy Hendrix. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we cut out the whole thing. <laughs> no. We have to leave it in. <laughs> I think people will die. <laughs> that literally looked like the Hulk, did it not? It's funny because like, I put this information in. I, I obviously clearly didn't even read that. <laughs> so it says, Jelani appears to be wearing a blue Detroit... I also said this. Sh- oh, no, the hat. It's like it hat. said a Marlin. <laughs> that is a hundred percent. We really got this wrong. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm gonna close myself. I'm sorry that we are wrong looking at the picture, but it's kind of funny. But it also shows how we all see things differently. Mm. So Johnny appears to be wearing a blue Detroit Lions hat, a black T-shirt with a unique graphic Jimi Hendrix band T-shirt. White silver shorts and black shoes with white soles. The exterior surveillance video also shows Day's white Chrysler 300 in the parking lot of the business. I'm like looking at the picture again and I'm still like, that's not a lion. Yeah, I don't know, unless it says. Mike! Yeah. Come here. I'm just gonna be annoying and see what he has to say. And if I can get a clearer image. I just wanna ask you some questions. What do you think this is? Detroit Lions. Did you hear that? Yes. <laughs> what do you think this is? The shirt. I said it was the Hulk. It's not. Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> Stop. How did, did you, you literally that? hear me say that? He must have heard you say it. You ha- H-E-N-D-R-I-X. It's Jimi Hendrix playing guitar. There's a guitar. There's a line. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Were you listening? No, but it's obvious. <laughs> he says it's obvious. He said that, really like, not. the words there, it says Hendrix. When I'm Googling Jimi Hendrix shirt, it actually does look like the shirt. Like, I can't find the exact shirt, but the writing is the same. All right. Well, we were proved wrong. (laughs) (laughs) The exterior surveillance video also shows Jelani's white Chrysler 300 in the parking lot of the business. Eventually, once they find the vehicle, they also find the clothes he was wearing. And they kind of did an update to this saying obviously he's not wearing the clothes because they found them but we'll we'll get to that when we get to that so on august 26 police discovered jelani's vehicle a white 2010 chrysler 300 abandoned in a wooded area 60 miles north of bloomington in the town of peru the car's license plates had been removed and the keys were missing the bloomington police public information officer john Furman said to me it's unusual The way his vehicle was, you know, it was off of a parking lot inside. It wasn't, like, deep into a woods, but it was off a parking lot. I don't really know what that means, but... I think they're saying it kind of wasn't in the parking lot. Like, it was not where you would think it would be parked, but it wasn't super hidden in, the, you know, the woods or in trees or anything like that. Not in the parking lot, but not in the woods. Yeah, it's kind of a weird, messy statement to make. Um, So, reporters from the Chicago Sun-Times went to the area where the car was found, and they said in an article, We note the apparent tire tracks and trample of brush that might have served as a good covering to ditch and conceal a car. And we note a piece of orange marker tape, but the absence of anything else that might mark this area as a potential crime scene. So, this is the info that the police reported at the time. At 4.20 p.m. Thursday, August 26th, Officers of the Peru Police Department responded to a report of a vehicle in a wooded area south of the Illinois Valley YMCA and due north of the intersection of 12th Street and West Clocks Avenue. 
When officers arrived, a vehicle was located concealed in the wooded area. Upon a search of law enforcement computerized files, it was determined that the vehicle was a vehicle of interest in a missing person case out of Bloomington, Illinois. So early this morning, the vehicle was removed and transported to a secure facility pending further processing. Bloomington and Peru detectives are asking the assistance from Illinois Valley residents that may have seen the vehicle or Jelani or anyone else operating the vehicle in the area since sometime that past Monday at the time. Jelani's friends and family started searching for him straight away, obviously. His classmates distributed flyers and his mother announced a $25,000 reward on information in his case. Yesterday, Day's mother, Carmen, told me she was desperate to find her son and get answers about his case. He's educated. He's a productive citizen. And I can't get nobody to look for my son to provide us with those same resources, with that same help. And that's all I'm asking for. Day's cousin, Ariel Day, lives in Chicago. And she says he came to visit family and friends in the city just two days before he went missing. She says nothing about his disappearance or discovery makes sense. His dad actually has cancer and Jelani is the bone marrow match for his dad. He loved his dad. He would come here in Chicago and visit him at Northwestern Hospital, sit with him, um, you know, encourage him, pray with him. My message to anyone watching this, if you have loved ones and you have a brother, a nephew, a sister, a daughter, you, you, you don't know how this feels, but you could only imagine if you see Jelani, if you hear any news, if, if anyone comes to you with any type of lead, call the police immediately. At 9.47 a.m. on Saturday, September 4th, a search team looking for Jelani came across a body floating in the Illinois River near the Illinois Route 251 bridge. The Bloomington Police Department issued this statement. They said, Early Saturday morning on September 4th, 2021, several police, fire, and rescue agencies, including the Bloomington Police Department, were involved in an organized search in the LaSalle, Peru, Illinois area in an attempt to locate missing person Jelani Day. At 9.47 a.m., a search team found an unidentified body just off the south bank of the Illinois River. The LaSalle County's Coroner's Office, the LaSalle County Sheriff's Office, and the Bloomington Police Department and Illinois State Police Crime Scene Services were called to the scene where the deceased person was located. The LaSalle County Sheriff's Office began their investigation into the circumstances behind the unidentified person's death. At this time, the LaSalle County Coroner's Office has not released the identification of the deceased person nor released any other details about the identification of the deceased. LaSalle County Coroner's Office did, however, state that the identification of the deceased person may take several days or several weeks. It's <sighs> a long read. Yeah, it's a long little yeah. words. <laughs> Brings us to September 7th. The Coroner's Office had released a statement saying that a uh, Preliminary autopsy on September 5th had determined the body to be male, but that it would take several weeks to months to make a positive identification on the body due to the condition it was recovered in. 
On September 21st, the Danville mayor pleaded for information on Jelani's case. He said, we always say here, see something, hear something, know something, say something. Someone out there has seen or heard or knows something, Mayor Ricky Williams said. Please, please bring this young man home if he's still alive. And if for some reason he's not, please let his family know so that they may have some peace. Almost three weeks after the body in the river is found, on September 24th, it was confirmed to be Jelani Day. On Thursday, September 23rd, 2021, the LaSalle County Coroner identified the male body found as Jelani Day, 25, of Bloomington, Illinois, through forensic dental identification and DNA testing and comparison. Currently, the cause of death is unknown, pending further investigation and toxicology testing. Dana and Ray, good evening. According to Bloomington Police, a body recovered in the Illinois River in LaSalle County is indeed a 25-year-old graduate student who's been missing since August 24th. The conclusive identification isn't necessarily bringing closure to Jelani Day's family. I've been praying, I've been holding out for my son to come home. Today, Carmen Bolden Day received the devastating news of her son's death, and she reflected on his dreams. Growing up, Jelani had a friend um, that had a speech impediment. His name is Paul, and Paul couldn't take up for himself, and people used to tease him and make fun of him, bully him, and Jelani protected Paul. And um, Jelani used to speak for Paul. So in October, a little bit more information about Jelani's autopsy was made public. The Chicago Sun-Times ran an article titled, Some Things No Mother Should Have to Endure. And this info is from that. Just to be clear, the family had separately hired a private pathologist because they, they've kind of been having a conflict with police, like feeling like they didn't do a great job investigating this. So the family hired their own pathologist to look into the death as well. So this information comes from the private pathologist that was made public. And this is according to, like we said, the Chicago Sun-Times. So according to that pathologist, it says, The corpse had no eyeballs, only sockets. The river's water had run her course, soaking the body through and through. The body was missing its front, top, and bottom teeth, and his jawbone had been, quote, sawed out. Not exactly sure what that means, but that's what it says. The private pathologist didn't find any brain, didn't find any organs, neither liver, and the spleen was missing. So the LaSalle County coroner had explained that according to their pathology report, the organs were completely liquefied. The body had suffered innumerable fish and turtle bites and was maggot infested, which was information received from the LaSalle County coroner's office, which has not yet released its autopsy report to the family. According to the family's private pathologist, they said the genitalia on the body was unidentifiable. And according to the county coroner, they said the genitalia was flayed. So either way, there was damage to that area. So after the autopsy info was released, we got a ton of messages from people asking us to cover Jelani's case. This was a big one that people wanted to hear about because there's so much conflicting information. Obviously, hearing 
the jaw was sought out, organs were missing, where's organs sold? It was it was kind of chaotic for a bit. People want to know, was it suicide? Was it an accident? Was it a murder? A lot of mystery behind it. So the Chicago Sun-Times article came out on October 8th, and on October 11th, Jelani's family put out two different interesting statements. This is where it kind of gets a little hectic, and there's been a lot of back and forth, a little hard to keep up with, but we'll, we'll get through it. So the statement his family put out said, Family, we need to hit pause for a moment. As outraged and upset as we are, we must stay the course. We must stay the course and stick to the facts in our search for answers. Carmen Bolden Day, Jelani's mother, released a statement and it reads in part, Some things need and have to be clarified. No organs are missing. I do not want to stray off from the facts. There were contradicting reports from the first preliminary autopsy compared to the second independent autopsy. But this is not a case of organ harvesting. However, my son did not put himself in a river. My son was murdered, and my goal and purpose are to find out what happened and hold those responsible accountable. And says, hashtag, what happened to Jelani Day? Hashtag, justice for Jelani Day. And then the second statement they put out was, I want to be very clear about this journalist and his article. This time at the Chicago Sun-Times article. Nowhere in this article did it say the eyes or organs were removed. My previous post was written because I was slash and continue to constantly receive messages and questions about organ harvesting, which again, I said was not the case. This article is accurate. However, as people do, they take what they want out of a conversation, in this case, an article and say or quote things incorrectly. John Fallon is telling Jelani's story. So far, he's done that accurately with grace and honesty, and I approve. The information that he has written, he did in fact get from me based on my understanding, in capitals, of the two differing preliminary autopsy reports done by two differing pathologists. Please note that this author's sole purpose is to shed light on Jelani's story and to help me hashtag find justice for Jelani Day. I don't know if any of you even remotely consider how draining and emotional this is for my entire family. We are not okay. I'm not okay. So please continue to pray for us, pray for the community and people that are helping us seek answers. So that means let's pray for each other as we continue to find out what happened to my baby. Heart emoji. Kind of weird if you read, you know, weird if you read between the lines, because I think what he's saying is that the organs may not have been there, but they weren't removed. Um, That's how I read it anyway. So maybe they were so decomposed or had, you know, I don't know. I remember it was confusing at the time because the article that she's referencing as factual did say all this stuff about his organs weren't there, his jaw was sought out, blah, blah, blah. And it literally it literally stated it almost as fact. Like, the corpse had no eyeballs. The body was missing, you know. Yeah. His jawbone had been saw- sawed out, they've said. So it's not like they even said it appeared to have been sawed out. They said it was sawed out. So it's weird. Yeah. And to be clear, I noticed this article that's in the chicago sometimes is technically under like the call like opinion columns so it's not like he is someone i don't know if he works for the newspaper or not but it's not like someone from the newspaper assigned him to report on the story as a reporter it's kind of more so an opinion piece but clearly he is talking to the mom and the family but anyways like olivia just said in the article it says very much seeming like it's fact 
that his organs are missing, that his jaw is sawed out, his eyeballs are missing, all this stuff. It kind of seems like in the first statement, she's saying none of that stuff's true. But then the next day comes back with another statement saying this article is true. And my takeaway from that was, like you just said, I think she's saying yes, maybe like the facts are true, but it's not organ harvesting, which is what many people jump to just because his organs are missing. Like if he was in a moving current river this whole time, like his body would be pretty messed up. Questions are swirling regarding the condition of Day's body. The family's attorney is here to talk more about this case. Haley Besner joins us. And thank you for taking the time, Hallie, to be with us. Thank you for having me. So let's talk about a statement that Jelani's mom put out, saying in part that no organs were missing, that there were contradicting facts from the first preliminary autopsy, and said that this is not a case of organ harvesting. Can you clarify what we know from the independent autopsy? Um, that's correct. Uh, we do not believe that this is any sort of um, organ harvesting or traffic trafficking situation. Um, my understanding is that essentially the body was just in very bad condition after having been in warm water in the Illinois River for probably 11 days. Um, so there were um, things like eyes were missing but that is consistent with what you would expect with a body that's found in a, in a warm body of water for that period of time i feel like what they were saying is a lot of people were making assumptions based on that article so you know his jaw had been sort off and all that thing makes it seem like there was absolutely something involved with his body parts but that wasn't may or might not have essentially been the case yeah, I think his family was trying to say, like, it's turning into something it's not. Yeah. But yeah. still something. <laughs> like you were just saying, the next day, the family released another statement, and they said, to clarify again, they said, First, we just want to express our thanks for the continuous support from everyone. We know a lot of you have been reaching out, and if we haven't read or responded yet, we will. Just give us some time. Secondly, we know a majority of you have read the accurate Sun-Times article seen others post about our brother's body and also been reading our mother's posts. Our mom is trying to focus on one thing, and that is who murdered our brother. She's been doing an amazing job. As far as the body, there are things that are missing that we do not have an accurate explanation as to why they are missing. We also have questions as to why the first autopsy results differ from the second autopsy results. Per the second autopsy, the pathologist didn't have all the body parts slash organs for the body they identified as our brother Jelani Day. Also, according to the second autopsy, the pathologist was confused as to why the first pathologist did what he did to our brother's body to perform the autopsy itself. Furthermore, the second pathologist was confused as to why he didn't have the whole body, and we are under the impression that the state lab still has body parts in their possession. Also, there are major organs that are damaged or, in their words, quote, mush and liquefied. Very technical. We are not taking organ harvesting off the table, but still, our mother's wishes are not to make organ harvesting the main focus. We're unsure if the whole body was there, so this is why we didn't do a burial. This is why we are in the process of getting a third autopsy done due to numerous amounts of conflicting information from the first and second autopsy. 
They have been keeping us in the dark, and we, the family, have been working to get answers. Due to the distrust, this is why we suspect foul play of the LaSalle County Coroner, LaSalle Sheriff's Office, LaSalle PD, Peru PD, and Bloomington PD. For these reasons, this is why we want and need the FBI involved as well. Thank you for your understanding, and please respect our family's privacy and wishes by not contacting our mom with your questions. Please give her time to breathe, think, and sleep. Thank you again. God bless. Hashtag justice for Jelani Day. So it seems like there, again, they went back to be like, maybe it's organ harvesting, but our mom doesn't want to focus on that. So it seems like different family members are almost like giving different statements under one account. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they're very cohesive in their thoughts. Well, it seems like the mom gave the second one because that was the one that was like, forget about organ harvesting. And then the rest of the family is talk like in the third statement, they're talking about their mom and be like, it could be organ harvesting, but Mm. maybe not. But yeah, like you said, it's kind of messy. Yeah. Like I get they're probably, you know, obviously in a lot of grief and a lot of confusion and all that. But I feel like that's... um, maybe a bit detrimental to the case sometimes in it just is so all over the place yeah i'm team team mom mm-hmm. that's probably not organ harvesting but let's like not lose focus here <laughs> so jelani's toxicology results have been made public this month the lab noted positive findings for caffeine cotinine and delta 9 carboxy thc According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, cottonine is a compound formed after the chemical nicotine enters the body. In the report, delta-9-carboxy-THC is identified as a byproduct produced in the body after cannabis is consumed. According to the report, the amounts of caffeine and cottonine found in his system are not typically toxicologically significant. So Actually, that just tells me there was nothing really, yeah, nothing going on. Yeah. Much like maybe, in terms of maybe he smoked drug. a cigarette, maybe yeah. he smoked a little weed. Yeah, didn't really do anything. And honestly, that's really it. It like I seems know. like you're ending in the middle of the story, but that's where we're at with it. I guess it is There's, essentially the middle of the story. Um, yeah, you know, there will be a lot There's, more coming out about him. I did read quickly while I was looking for updates too that he was buried this week. Do you want me to just talk about that? Oh, yeah, I did say it, but yeah. Um, so one other little kind of update is that Jelani was actually buried uh, this week in Danville, Illinois. There was only 30 people there, including the civil rights leader, Reverend Jesse Jackson. Um, there isn't a huge amount more of you know information about his case yet. His parents are still kind of pushing for the FBI to get involved. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what else will come from this if... If I haven't I haven't heard anything about the third autopsy, if that has been conducted or if it will be. Yeah. Um, I I don't know what I think. I feel like I want to get, you know, in trouble for this. I know. But I feel like this was probably either a suicide or an accident. Yeah. I, I don't think it was a murder. I feel like maybe a lot of the inconsistencies in his autopsy could be um attributed to being in the water. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. I, like, I don't know. I know, still... I know it's, it's it's probably an unpopular opinion because, you know, it also wouldn't surprise me if it what did end up being a murder, but I feel like... The problem is that there's, like, just not enough information, really, to make a good opinion. Like, I'd love to know... I feel like there what... must be more CCTV or there must be more information about his movements after he left the dispensary exactly. and wherever like... else he was seen. There must be more... 
going on that we don't know about. That's what I want to Like, what was he doing that day? Like, the days leading up to it, was he acting weird? Like, it just seems weird either way. Like, it was so early in the morning for him to be at the dispensary. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Maybe he just wanted to, like, get done early in the morning. It just all seems... doesn't, like, scream murder or foul play to me, but it definitely screams, this is weird. I think that a lot of, um, like, the family statements about how there must be someone else involved and, you know, it must be a murder... I can understand why they're making those statements, but I also feel like to me the autopsy findings don't really seem out of place for someone who's been in the water for weeks. Like in terms of his jaw being sawn off, I think we were speaking about it earlier. Basically the bottom half of the jaw is one of the first parts to kind of decompose. That's why a lot of skulls are only found with the top row of teeth. Yeah, Um, it's only attached by like your muscle or tissue. Yeah, it breaks apart basically. So. You know, obviously there are some things like his genitalia, but then if he was basically mutilated by animals in that water, also if it was like a moving river, maybe happening. Like I, I don't know. I feel like, as I said, it could definitely be a murder, but I feel like it can also be explained by where he was found and being in the water for that amount of time. Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't be surprised either way. Definitely from. Not that we know him, but just, like, from what you've heard about him from the family and people who knew him, it doesn't seem like he would just somehow wind up dead in this river on his own accord. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was some sort of third-party intervention in that, if it was murder or foul play or just, like, something weird happened. I've seen that online, like, I think the, the most prominent suggestion is that this was either, like, a racial if it was a murder, it was like a racially motivated murder or a hate crime. Um, I don't, I haven't seen any other kind of suggestions about why he would have been murdered. And, you know, I don't obviously know too much more about why he would have been targeted or anything like that, if that is what happened to him. But that's just, you know, I didn't want to kind of not bring that up, that I know it's been suggested that this was a racially motivated crime. Yeah, it's weird for sure. The stuff with the different pathologists, the different findings. It's just a lot. But yeah, definitely. It's hard to make an opinion not knowing more Half information. Yeah. yeah. I feel like we've covered a lot of it as well. Like it's there isn't a huge amount on his kind of life. Like I know he touched on how he went to university and was, a, you know, all that type of stuff, but there's not a whole lot about what was actually happening in his life at the time. Yeah, like, clearly he was smart, had his life together. Like, if you're going to get your master's in speech speech pathology, you have to work really hard to do that. So there's no doubt that he was a smart, intelligent human being. That's another reason why this is kind of all weird. It doesn't seem like he was sucked into some, like, delinquent behaviors. Doesn't give off that vibe. But I guess you never know. But, like I said, it's hard to make an opinion not knowing more information. As far as we know, we just kind of know somehow he w- went missing and was found in a river. It's weird. Yeah. I agree with what his mom's saying. He shouldn't. He was also like on the swim team. Like he could swim. Yeah. How does he end up dead in a river? I don't really have a real opinion on what no, happened. No, neither yet, do I. Unfortunately. Like, I- I feel like when I've said I, you know, I just, I feel like there are multiple explanations is what I probably should clarify. Multiple explanations for what happened to him. I don't think it's, you know, out of the realm of possibility that it was suicide or an accident. 
and I don't I, I also wouldn't be surprised if this did end up being something else it's a strange one for sure yeah I agree Oh, so there's an article just this week where his mother spoke to CNN again and she said, I need to know what happened with my son. I need them to do more than what they have done. So she is insinuating that the police basically didn't do enough to find Jelani. She said, they failed my child. Um, and then, yeah. like, as, as we said, they're still wanting the FBI to come in. She said, I need the FBI to come in and do what Peru and Bloomington and LaSalle have not done for us, and that is to find answers. Why would the FBI get involved anyways? I'm just if it was like a hate crime, I guess. Yeah, I guess they seem to be adamant that this wasn't a suicide or an accident and that it needs to be investigated and maybe you know, the police are pushing back on that. There's an in part of this article there's a woman called Derica Wilson. She's the founder and CEO of the Black and Missing Foundation. She said that she's tracked 24 cases of missing black men since August. That's a 50% increase compared to recent months. She believes that black men are being targeted, but it's unclear why. She said that the vehicles of of the missing black men are being found abandoned while their whereabouts remain a mystery. She said, I wish I knew the answer to that. It raises a lot of questions. It's very frustrating and very sickening. It's weird because I've noticed that as well, not specifically black men, but just men in general i like i kind of wrote it off because our instagram and social media is kind of blew up after gabby so i didn't know if i was just getting more of these stories messaged to us about men who are missing but then their cars are weirdly found but they're mm. still missing i feel like there's so many stories like that where the male is missing they find their car they still can't find them or there's just some like weird circumstance where they find them dead in a body of water and I know a lot of people think, like, the smiley face killer is a thing. I don't really know about all that. But I did notice, I feel like it's becoming more and more prevalent that yeah. men are going missing, but their cars are being found. I don't know. It seems like a weird thing to say, but I have a noticed correlation it. kind of, yeah. Yeah. This same article has this point, which is interesting. It says... Cases of missing white women are given more focus and urgency, which we all kind of know, but people of colour are disappearing at disproportionate rates. Black people make up 35% of missing persons reports, but are only 13% of the US population. Meanwhile, white people make up 54% of missing persons reports and are 76% of the population, and that's according to 2020 FBI data. So it's just an interesting kind of statistic, which is... I will say what's great about kind of like the true crime social media community i feel like the people who are really into just like missing people missing persons cases and all that color and gender doesn't doesn't really matter to them like they're just really into missing people's cases i feel like they'll put in the same effort to anyone the media that pick and choose so like we get every day loads and loads of messages about missing people who the media would never ever cover so we try and post as many of them as we can um but the media mainstream media i should say do pick and choose the ones they want to kind of profile yeah no i agree but i mean that's really all for jelani just kidding that is absolutely not all for jelani day actually because of course in typical true crime society podcast fashion as soon as we finished recording there was another update and i am here last minute to give you the latest updates on jelani's case so this is actually a pretty big update not really shocking though so 
they released Jelani's cause of death, actually, and it was ruled a drowning. So according to LaSalle County Coroner Richard Polk, Jelani Day's cause of death was drowning, but the manner in which Mr. Day went into the Illinois River is currently unknown. So we still don't know how Jelani got into the river, but we do know that his ultimate cause of death was drowning. The coroner also said that the forensic exam of his remains was less than optimal because of decomposition and the activity of river predators in the warm water. So like we mentioned, that's why his body was in such rough shape, but it did make it a bit more difficult for them to do the autopsy on. But he also wrote, there was no evidence of any pre-death injuries such as manual strangulation and assault or altercation, sharp, blunt, or gunshot injury, infection, tumor, natural disease, or significant drug intoxication. Um, I also found this clip while I was editing that I wanted to include. It is um, Jelani's family lawyer talking about why they think the death is suspicious and what makes them think that foul play could have been involved. You know, one of the big questions here, you mentioned that the manner and cause of death is not known at this point. Jelani's mom, of course, says her son was murdered. Is there evidence pointing to murder right now? I believe so, yes. Um, I There's no plausible explanation for Jelani's body ending up in the river other than foul play. Um, Jelani's car was found... 60 miles north of Bloomington, where he went to school in a town that he had never been to before. The area where the car was found is very uh, suspicious for a car to be there. It's not a place that Jelani would have known about. It's a place that someone local may have known about, but it's not somewhere that you would drive and drop your car off on the side of the highway. Um, the car had no license plates on it. We still don't know where the license plates are. We don't know where the car keys are. We don't know where a cell phone is. Um, his body presumably went into the river about three miles from where the car was found. And uh, that last week of August was really hot in central Illinois. It was about 104 degree heat index. There's no way he drove 60 miles, hit his car in the woods, got rid of his license plate somewhere, and then walked three miles to put himself in the river. I mean, and he was on the swim team in high school. It's not like he would have accidentally drowned. Uh, it just, there, to me, there's no plausible explanation besides foul play. And his mother, after the cause of death came out, his mother put another statement out online. And this is what it says. It's a little long, so bear with me. The cause of death is drowning. Duh, he was found face down in a river. I don't care what the press releases say. My baby was killed. He did not drown himself. He could swim. He was an avid swimmer. And swimmers do not, in general, commit suicide by drowning. Jelani lived a promising, fulfilling, happy life. He had goals, dreams, and aspirations. He showed and demonstrated positive traits. He was hopeful and helpful, determined about his future. He believed in God. He had great faith and a strong upbringing in the church. He never had suicide attempts in the past, didn't have mental health issues, which are all indicators of a suicidal person. My son did not ever show those indicators. An individual who has had no history ever of suicidal ideations, thoughts, or attempts is not likely to commit suicide in the future. None of this garbage that Peru LaSalle is releasing and wants us to believe applies to Jelani. 
if he had had suicidal attempts in the past, if he had experience with mental health therapists in the past, which could support this disrespectful, insensitive, lazy narrative, then maybe I could see or even consider this crap. But he did not. And I will never allow someone to apply that narrative to my son. You will not lie on his name. These police departments want an easy way out. They didn't do their job, so they went to look at surface details. The evidence doesn't add up. The facts don't add up. I'm not letting up. I'm not giving up. I'm not settling for these BS conclusions that make no sense. Answer this, BPD and Peru slash LaSalle. What cameras did you check within a 48-hour time frame? Who did you question? What evidence leads suspects did you question and look into? What effort did you make to find my baby within the first critical 48 hours of him missing? What search efforts did you make? Why didn't you ask for help prior to September 23rd, 2021, when you knew that you were incapable of doing what was necessary to locate Jelani? Why was Jelani disregarded? Why were you a bunch of lazy law enforcement officers who did the bare minimum? These are my legitimate questions, and because I have these questions slash concerns slash no answers, I need the Illinois Attorney General, FBI, and Department of Justice to do what the ISP didn't do, and that's to take this case over. I want answers. I deserve answers. My son deserves justice, and I'm going to make sure you give it to him. For these reasons, I am asking everyone that can and will join us today at 12 p.m. in Peru, Illinois, to march for justice for Jelani. Hashtag justice for Jelani day. And here is another little clip that I found of his mother in an interview, and she's talking a bit about how Jelani wouldn't commit suicide because of their religion and his beliefs. Well, investigators never said they suspect the foul play. Um, I had to um, let them know that there was some foul play because they tried to set up this narrative that Jelani could have possibly parked his car in this wooded area, um, walked himself to this riverbank, took off his clothes and put himself in the water. That's absolutely false. Um, My son was a swimmer. He knew how to swim. He would not commit suicide. Um, His faith in God was too much. And he knew from what we were taught in our religion that suicide um, automatically takes you to hell. So Jelani wouldn't have done any of that. So the it was me who had to make sure they understood that there was foul play involved because they wanted to just pass it off and um, give me some type of inclination that this is what Jelani did to himself and he did not. So I still don't know what to feel. I do feel like his death is suspicious. I keep going back and forth on it, but I've been thinking about it more. And one Suicide by drowning would be a rough way to go. I feel like drowning cannot be one of the top choices of suicide. But how did he get in the river? We don't know. Will we ever know? Hopefully. I do think this case does have a decent amount of attention on it, where if people keep putting pressure and keep bringing it up, that maybe more will happen with it. The more I think about it, the more it seems weird to me. Why would he be in the river? Why was his car missing? His license plates? Why were his clothes with the car? There's so many questions and hopefully we get more answers. But this is the latest update on his case for now. This episode comes out tomorrow. So unless something crazy happens tonight, then 
should be all up to date, and we'll definitely keep talking about Jelani and keep posting updates about him. But for now, we are going to get into some updates on other cases. So now we're going to talk about updates with some other cases like we usually do in the beginning of the episode. We usually have a casual chat, go over some updates to cases that we've talked about before or cases that have had a big following, and we talk about some new cases. So switching it up, we're going to do it at the end now since some people, for whatever reason, don't like to hear us chat. <laughs> Been another big week, hasn't it? Yeah, like, yes, and it's we're the same. It's all because of, yeah, Brian. with like, Brian, it's always... Not a lot of actual info comes out, but it always well, causes a huge mess. A lot of noise. Like, there's a lot of noise. <laughs> I don't know any other yeah. way to describe it. There's just always something, but it's actually nothing, really, essentially. It really is becoming like similar Circus. to the Delphi case in that sense, yeah. where just like all these random crazy people just almost use it to like further their platform in a way. With cases like this, people who were never involved in true crime before suddenly think that they're like true crime correspondents yeah and i think with this case too is that there were so many people who were so involved in it as soon as they see a little tidbit of information they just run with it and think this is it this is this is the truth this is the information where there's actually so much misinformation and kind of um I don't know, I don't want to say, you know, like a lot of exaggeration in this case. People take a tiny snippet of something and run with it and make it something that it's not. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of like wild tabloidy type information out there at the moment and most of it is just not true. It's people, you know, trying to chase clicks and kind of raise their own profiles at the moment, which is a bit of a shame because they're kind of just muddying the waters of the case. Yeah, like for example, kind of what we're talking about with Terry, especially. Well, let's get caught up to speed. Last time, last episode, we said they found Brian and that was most likely him. Um, I don't remember if at that point it was definitely him, but they confirmed it was him via his dental records and they've said that they that part of what they have or all of what they have, we I don't really know yet, is um a partial skull. So, I was just reading about it because it turns out only one NBC reporter said that he heard from like upper law enforcement sources that all they had was a partial skull. That's the only place that's been reported. So they could maybe have some more bones. But either way, it's been confirmed that their remains were skeletal and they're, it seems like they're not all there. I'm assuming, though, they must have had, even though they haven't, I think, totally confirmed what parts they had, it must have been teeth for it to be confirmed so soon as Brian without any DNA evidence as such yet. Yeah, they they did say they had partial skull and I guess partial jaw. Yeah, partial jaw. So they confirmed via dental records and now his remains are being sent to a forensic anthropologist and an anthropologist, they study bones and hard tissue. Well, actually backtrack a little. So they did the autopsy or whatever on whatever they had and... They couldn't determine his cause of death or anything like that because it's just bones and incomplete body, really. So then they sent it to the anthropologist. So this has caused a lot of stir kind of in the people who are treating this case more like a gossip column or something. I think a lot of 
misinterpretation as well. Um, like people yeah. like they've said the DNA didn't match, but they actually haven't said that. They said they don't have any DNA essentially at the moment to confirm it as Brian, which is why yeah, they sent it off for more testing. And then it kind of turns into like a game of telephone where like, you know, one person says it that way, like, oh, no, they don't have DNA. And then one person says they don't even know it's him. They don't have DNA. And then yeah. it just keeps going from there. And now all of a sudden 8,000 people have sent me some, um, what's the word? What do people say Daily Mail does? Like Abloid, um the... When they, not exploit, um, sensationalize. Oh, yeah. So now I've got a bunch of people sending us this sensationalized Facebook post from something that says they're, I don't want to like blow up their spot or be rude, but it's like if we were called True Crime Society News or something, like it has Mm -hmm. news in the name. So a lot of people don't realize they're kind of sharing more like a blog post. So that's gone totally viral. And it's saying basically that the... That post actually says straight up that the DNA does not match Brian because the autopsy was inconclusive. But to us true crime veterans, we know that that just means that they They couldn't couldn't determine his cause of death. Yeah. We made a post today about what inconclusive actually means. It just means that they couldn't determine with all their testing how he died. And it's easier to put it as inconclusive than to change his cause of death if they ever needed to later. Like, for example, if they put it down as suicide and it ended up being an accident or vice versa, it's much harder to change that, um, which might also be a reason why they've put inconclusive that if they ever do find out, they can change it easily. But, yeah, yeah people have somehow twisted inconclusive into being that they don't actually know that it's Brian's body, which is not what it means at all. I think between the dental records, the backpack, and the notebook all being his, I think it's 99.99% him. Yeah. People are trying to say things like, oh, what if someone planted the teeth there? Or what if his parents uh, like ripped out their teeth? <laughs> yeah. This, this case has gotten to the point of being so frustrating because there's people will just say whatever they want, apparently. There are so many dumb conspiracy theories that people actually believe in. And it's so frustrating because. Okay, so say his, what you know, one is that the parents planted remains there somehow. Like, what? How would they even do that? There's literally reporters outside their house 24-7. But also, what would yeah. be the point of all of this? Mm. Why would the FBI be protecting Brian or the laundries? Yeah. What would be the end game? There isn't mm-hmm. one. Like, fair enough, the parents might have an end game for planting things. But yeah, what would the end game of law enforcement and the FBI be like? And people have said that his mother used to work for some law enforcement agency. but. Essentially, like what, why? Like what, are they, <laughs> what are they covering up for? Like, they absolutely have no, I find that I don't think they would have any interest in covering up for the laundries. They would probably want this, on the other hand, to be just done and sorted as quick as possible. So, yeah, I was going to say, they don't want this much attention. They don't want as much <laughs> attention as they're getting. Everyone just, like, picking them apart constantly. And it's also across multiple states. And I'm sure people will message us and be like, okay, but what if, but what if, but what if? Sure, you can always say what if, and sometimes the what if is right, but Mm. most of the time it's not, and most of the time it's, what, Occam's razor or whatever? It's just the simplest answer. I think he's been dead this whole time, since the day he left. I think his parents were acting shady, but I don't think they, like, planted remains or evidence or... I feel like they may have known more about where he was probably planning to go in the reserve, um 
for whatever reason, maybe he told them, maybe, like, I feel like they did know more, but I don't feel like they set up this crime scene or the evidence or anything like that there. Yeah, no. Yeah, I feel like they weren't giving the full truth, maybe. Yeah. But I don't think that it's such a deep thing where it's like they were hiding evidence or planting evidence and it wouldn't make sense. Um, It did just come out, though, which is weird, like literally right before we started recording. I don't know, like, who to be annoyed at for this, but um, the spokesperson for Northport Police Department, he was saying to a reporter, so remember how... One of the first press conferences, they're like, oh, we know where Brian is. And then the next day where they were like, we don't have any idea where he is. We're sorry. We've never known. We just kind of (laughs) pretended. (laughs) So it turns out they thought that Brian was home because on that Wednesday, when the parents went and picked up the Mustang from the preserve, reserve, whatever, um, his mom drove it back to the house wearing a baseball cap. And the police thought that she was Brian. (laughs) <laughs> Which they really don't look anything like, like stature-wise or body type. But they saw the hat and thought it was Brian. So I don't know if, did she do that on purpose? Because I have seen her wearing a baseball hat other times as well. So it could she have been a coincidence on her part. To just try and be, you know, who knows who was hanging around then and, you know, all that type of stuff as well. So she probably just did it to, I don't know. I really don't know anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what's next? I feel like a lot of this kind of craziness is coming out because people really don't want to believe that this is how this case will end with just him mm-hmm. being dead and we will never have any more answers. And essentially that might be how it ends. Who knows? Like, yeah. depending on what remains they've got and what they can actually get from it, we may not know anything more than what we do now. And I think people are just kind of trying to grasp onto any last straws that they can that there's more to this and there really is. Like, like they don't want to say goodbye. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, I but, think people just got way too invested in this or, you know, very invested. And it's just a weird anticlimactic ending, really, if this is what happens. Yeah. I think the FBI or police will have to make at least one more statement because they still have to technically close her case. Yeah. And also they never said if Brian was the suspect. Because if they don't close the case or say, like, it was Brian, then technically we're meant to believe there still could be a murderer out there. So I think they'll have to say something else, but they might not ever figure out Brian's cause of death if he yeah. really if they all they have is a little piece of his skull or face or whatever. Yeah. They, if he killed himself by prescription hanging pills or, or something yeah, or hanging, yeah. they probably but wouldn't be able to tell that. It just depends on what they've found. I know it, it must be so frustrating i always imagine like you know at least when someone in your family passes away you know generally that they died from you know a heart attack or whatever it must be awful to never ever know for those people who do get inconclusive autopsies imagine just never knowing how your loved one passed away yeah as much as this is probably like i don't know if it's a hot take anymore because i do think other people feel the same way but won't admit it as much as his parents suck and does feel like they muddied the waters a lot i do feel bad for them a little bit at this point Because there's still people like outside of their house screaming at them, harassing them, putting up signs. They lost their son too. Not that he wasn't yeah. a piece of shit or anything, but still, they they knew him since he was he was a little baby. And you have all those memories, and they do do have to mourn the loss of him too. But I just they're under such a, like a microscope. It, like, and I, you know, I agree. I'm absolutely not sticking up for them and saying they did the right thing because they clearly didn't. But I just feel like when it's your own child, it must be so 
strange and hard like what do you do do you how do you act like I don't think anyone ever expects to be in that situation with their child Mm -hmm. murdering their partner like you know I just I feel like their judgment was probably clouded by their love for Brian and whatever else like I do I do I I alternate between feeling bad for them and being annoyed but I know I get get what you mean but like the human part of me is like yeah all right come on like let's just leave them alone law enforcement knows what they know if they're going to charge them they will but you also the other side is you don't know what he ever told them too like he could have just told them that they broke up he could have been like I caught her cheating on me in Wyoming and I left her there and you know and then kind of just could have just spiraled out of control for them where he walks off and now they're under this microscope they find out gabby's actually missing and dead probably and then it's like they're scared to even do anything uh, the one the one time i did feel so for his parents was there was video released of them on the trail i think it must have been we know now that's what made me sad too um brian's bag and they were just kind of huddled together and they looked old like they look way older yeah. than they are and they look they looked kind of frail and like that made me feel really bad for them because I just thought oh god that's I don't know it's just an awful situation for everyone involved really they didn't make it any better for themselves I'm not you know I'm not saying that I get that but it's just still an awful disgusting situation yeah don't try to come at us and be like oh your laundry supports we're not but you know <laughs> we are people and it's okay to feel bad for bad people yeah anyways that, but that's when I felt bad for them, too, when I saw them out talking to the cop and they had, like, she had, like, her little hiking backpack on and yeah. stuff. And I was like, like oh, the long, the long shorts. She looks like a real, I don't know if you guys have the word daggy there, like a real, no. frump, a, a, I think daggy is kind of frumpy, like a real frumpy, yeah. you know. That's how just, I felt, too. Yeah. And her, their whole life has been on show while they're grieving, while they're stressed, while they're everything else for the last six weeks or however long. So... I'm sure it's been a lot for them. As yeah, so. obviously it's been more for Gabby's parents, I have no doubt. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm just saying, you know, there's a different there's also that side to the story. Yeah. And it's it's sad you feel like you can't even like say that without people coming for <laughs> us. <laughs> like, of course Gabby's family has it worse, but Yes. You know, you can't help but feel a little bad for them sometimes. Yeah. Again, even though there's been really no real updates with Brian and Gabby, we could very easily talk about them forever as you could see because there's just so much to talk about but that's really it for actual updates um this episode will come out in like two days from now so i'm sure there'll be more that we could talk about but we'll get to that next time yes i'm Um, sure this is going to be ongoing for a little while yet yeah i think we got a few more weeks (laughs) at least (laughs) um which one do you want to talk about next um i can talk about cleo okay So the other one that is still ongoing and we've spoken about a few times before is the case of missing child Cleo Smith. Cleo went missing, I think, around 11 or 12 days ago at the time of recording this. She's still missing. Um, For anyone who hasn't been following her case, we have a blog, so check it out. But she went missing from her family's tent on, um, like, they woke up at 6 a.m. in the morning and she wasn't there. Police have hinted that they now think this is likely a stranger abduction, although I have heard just this morning that they've still said they have no suspects. So to me, like, that means the parents still haven't been ruled out. Like, basically, no one's ruled out and they haven't announced anyone as a suspect. Um, this, I thought Cleo would have been found pretty quickly. Like, stranger abductions here, and I think in most places, generally are quite rare. But she yeah. hasn't. So um, I was just saying to Stephanie, I think what we'll do is we will might do our next episode after these next two on, or you know, after the next one, 
on Cleo's mm-hmm. case because I think there's probably enough for us to talk about for you know almost a whole episode but yeah she is still missing it's terrifying her family were the police were investigating her family home to see if they'd been stalked there's some more information today that's just come out about a possible car that was involved um, but essentially Cleo is still missing so if you're looking for an update on that stay tuned we'll have one in the next you know week or so on her case hopefully and hopefully we'll have some good news but it's not looking great at the moment for Cleo unfortunately. Yeah, I think stranger abductions or stranger murders or anything where it's a total stranger, even though they're much more rare than knowing the person, it's so, so, so scary. I know. And I just, like, I still, I don't want to obviously, you know, get into the whole thing now if we're going to do a whole episode about it, but I just, it's, she was, went missing from such a remote place. I just find the odds of a total stranger abduction would be so. Yeah. Unusual. No, I agree. Yeah. So I don't know. Anyway, it says that I was just reading just to get some stats. The federal government, this is USA stats, obviously, but I know that we are kind of similar to you guys in terms of demographics and things in those type of areas. It says the federal government estimated about 50,000 people were reported missing who were younger than 18, but only 100 of those cases were classified as abductions by strangers. Yeah. So it's very, very rare. It's a, Another hot take to say, like, I'm still not not suspicious of the parents. <laughs> I know the mum has made another appeal today, which I'll put up on the Instagram. Um, I feel like I'm less suspicious now of the mum, but I'm still not 100% sure about the stepdad. Yeah. No. Only not even really specifically because of them, just because of how, cre- how crazy it would be for, like, a stranger abduction from their tent in this remote area. It's nuts, yeah. but... Like you said, I don't want to talk about it all now and then we'll have nothing to talk about when we do an actual episode on it. I just wanted to touch on it because I know that we have been doing regular updates, so I wanted to just give you an update on where we're at with that. So, All right, who's next? Okay, so the other one that was really, well, it was big for me because I followed this case for a long time and I feel like loads and loads of people were interested in it just because it was so mysterious. It's about the Chung Garish family. They were a family. It was Jonathan Garish, his wife, Ellen, and their one-year-old daughter. And also they were hiking with their dog, Oski. They were all found dead on a Californian hiking trail in August. So all of them, like the three adults and the dog, all found dead right near each other on a trail. So everyone, you know, obviously this is so unusual. What could have actually killed them all at the same time essentially like you know no one had a chance to go you know go and get help and so this has been going on since august the police kept releasing kind of random statements like i know they said things like they'd ruled out illicit drugs um like a use of a weapon just all these different things and so everyone was speculating one of the main theories was that it might have been a toxic algae issue where they you know filled up their water bottles from a lake that had toxic algae and they were poisoned but just the other day the mariposa sheriff's office finally had a press conference and finally told us how they died and basically they died from hyperthermia not hypothermia hyperthermia which is due to extreme heat and probable dehydration but that's interesting because one of the rule outs in one of the earlier press releases was also extreme heat so i don't know why yeah. they kind of changed their mind and came back around to that but basically it said the family only had an 85 ounce water bladder with them to share between 
four of them essentially. So that's about two liters for any Aussies or, you know, anyone else listening, which isn't very much because for four people, that's hardly, or, you know, three adults and a dog, that's not much water at all for a, mm. you know, a hot day of all, you know, hiking all day. Basically, the sheriff said, heat-related deaths are extremely difficult to investigate. I want to thank you all for being patient. Called it a horrible event. I'd like to know how they, like, determine that, though. Yeah, so they they did do a really, really long press release, which is all on the blog, but they've kind of got a timeline. So someone saw them at 7.45 a.m. Um, heading to the, I think it's Heights Cove Trailhead, which is 38.80 feet in elevation. Then he saw the truck parked again at around 8 o'clock. The temperature got up to about 100 degrees that day. So, like, they're talking about things like the changes in elevation, the changes in temperature. The highest I think it may have got that day when they were hiking was 103. Oh, no, actually, sorry, I lie, 109, 109. So it was a very hot day. No shade, apparently, which is, this whole thing is just weird to me because they were very experienced hikers. They'd travel overseas. They'd done, you know, lots of, I think they'd done the Himalayas. They'd done lots of other, you know, full-on hikes and tracks and trails. And Did they not this, have a phone? I think there was no cell service. Oh. They did have a I phone just... because I know they sent a photo of the baby in the pack or something earlier that morning to someone. So, But in saying that, they may have left the phone in the car, I don't know, but they did essentially have a phone at some point. Just like how did they – because he – think it affects everyone differently. Like they wouldn't all just at the same moment in time collapse. Like, maybe especially they got right near each other. Like if fair enough if just say the husband collapsed, you would think that the mother would have taken the baby and at least gotten a little bit further before she collapsed and passed away. Like apparently I read they were only 30 feet away from each other and even the dog. Like yeah. I don't know. I feel like a dog could survive way longer than that. That's what I thought, too. Or even if the dog started getting sick first for some reason, wouldn't you think they'd try to, like, head back then or something? Or if someone got sick first, wouldn't one person try to head back for help? And I know, like, all the comments, like, heat stroke can happen really quickly. And, like, there's been a few times where I don't think I've ever had proper heat stroke, but where I've actually felt really sick from being out in the sun for, you know, I'm not comparing my experience to that. But I just cannot believe that none of, like, it hit them all at the same time, basically, at exactly the yeah. same time. Because yeah. even if they got, even if the 30 feet isn't correct and they got a few hundred feet, that's still nothing in terms of, you know, the amount of time it would have hit one of them and the other one could have, could have gotten a few hundred feet further. Yeah, it's definitely weird. Everyone, a lot of comments I've seen people don't believe the sheriff and they're saying that basically the sheriff couldn't figure it out. So they've just said that this was the cause of death for this family. Um, I don't know. I said I would never, ever believe that till the day, till my dying day. This is my hill to die on. <laughs> I will always believe it was a suicide pact or a murder-suicide or something like that. I don't know what I think. I mean, I don't, after I was just saying how I'm not one to like be like, the police are wrong, it's a conspiracy. I don't even think it's like a conspiracy. I just think they don't, they don't no. know. No. Yeah, I agree. So they've said like, this is probably the most likely thing, which it probably, you know, is the most naturally likely thing maybe i don't know i don't even i don't know i don't believe i'm sure they've ruled out tons of stuff i know they've said they've ruled out the toxic algae because they there was must have been like a few drops of water left in the in the bladder drink bottles so apparently they were testing yeah they tested that and then when i read about the algae i think it was like 13 miles or something from where they were so it wasn't like right next to them they also mentioned lightning 
which yeah. it wasn't because you could no. probably you could tell if someone was struck by lightning but i've seen some videos online of like people who are huddled under a tree and or that they all get struck by lightning but yeah i don't yeah. think that was it you would absolutely be able to have signs of that if they did yeah it'd be like a fire. <laughs> and even on their bodies their bodies would be destroyed yeah Maybe, I don't, I don't think, well, it sounds like they've closed the case and that's the end of that. So I don't know if we'll ever hear anything else about that one. We'll just, we'll just go on wondering forever. <laughs> All these cases where we're just going to be wondering forever, it seems lately. Oh, wait, I just got a tweet alert. So for Brian, to go back to that quickly, because I just got an alert. Um, one of the reporters tweeted notebook um, that Josh Taylor, the... What are they called? The information officer. He said, that's all being headed by the FBI. My understanding is it was wet and they're working to preserve it, possibly salvageable. So let's hope. All right. Who's next? (laughs) So one other quick update that we had, um, which we did an episode on Jake Sefolia earlier this year. He went missing in August 2020. We did, um, his episode was we kind of combined it with Alan White they were both missing executive men who went missing under very strange circumstances. Alan was found in, I think, May this year. And we just got word that they've also found Jake's remains. Jake was found hanging from a tree in the same area where he was last seen, which was another preserve. Everything's happening in preserves at the moment. But he was found in the Waterfall Glen Forest Preserve, still hanging from the tree. I've read some articles that they say the tree was either low hanging or that it had been uprooted. So people were like, how could he still be hanging after this amount of time, which I agree is weird, but either it was uprooted or if it was low hanging, maybe, you know, his knees may have been on the ground so there wasn't that much, um, what's the word, like tension on the tree, if that makes yeah. sense. So, or it could have, um, if it was uprooted, couldn't it be totally fallen? Yeah, it absolutely could have been. I'd, I've just seen it both ways, so I'm not entirely sure which one is correct. But that, like, people are like, this is suspicious. How could he still be on the tree? Which I don't actually think, I feel like there's nothing suspicious with this case. He was under criminal investigation. He was seen, you know, getting gas and heading into the preserve and his car was found there. So I really feel like 99% certain that this was just a straight out suicide based on issues that he was having at the time. Yeah. Didn't they say, like, you? He- wasn't there something about the decomposition on him that were like, that doesn't seem right? Well, they said it was like um, star. I think I can't remember the exact terminology, but basically they indicated that it wasn't fully decomposed, which you would think after 15 months it would be. But then another article I've read also said skeletal remains. Mm. So I don't know. I, I think it's just a matter of, again, people interpreting, even reporters interpreting the information that they've been given. And yeah, you know, it's just that causes a little bit of, misinformation because i'm sure one is right and one isn't i would assume he would be skeletal by now so yeah Yeah. unless like the tree fell on him and kind of made like a little burial and i know they've said too that they found him now i think they may have searched near the area at the time but i think they said they found him now because obviously the leaves have started to fall again and the kind of you know brush and bush or whatever woods are thinning out so it was kind of easier to spot him. I think he was found by a contractor who was doing some type of work there. So um, yeah, people are like, this. he wasn't found anywhere near his car. And I feel like that's the point. I feel like he chose that spot to kind of be hidden and to not. Yeah. He chose it for its remoteness. Yeah. So pretty much mm-hmm. what we suspected, but yeah. still an update. 
I know they've said like they've confirmed it's absolutely him. There's no no question about that. So I don't think there'll be anything else we'll hear from that now that he's got a confirmed cause of death and identity confirmed. Yeah. Now we just need an Alan White update. Well, there was a bit of a kind of update, but basically apparently it's still being investigated. Alan's case is a homicide. I'm still a little bit if I believe that or not, because it's been very, very quiet, but maybe they are just keeping things close to their chest and I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, still no actual updates either, just a bit of another non-update. A non-update update. And then a new case that we've been following, it's very new. It only came out really, like, last night. So there's not still, there's still not much information about it, still a lot of questions. But if you guys want to follow along with trying to figure it out, we'll definitely be posting about it. So this, someone sent it to us on Instagram, actually, which is great. Love when you guys send us stories. Mm. It was about three children who were discovered abandoned in an apartment in Texas with also skeletal remains of another sibling. And they had just been living there, abandoned, fending for themselves. Basically, like there's been a lot of information that's since come out, you know, a lot in terms in the past day. But basically what has happened is the kids who were in the apartment are aged 15, 10 and 7. For some reason, the 15-year-old called the police recently i'm assuming yesterday and the police went and did a welfare check and basically they found the three children they were all i think showing signs of malnourishment and i think some of them had physical injuries as well but they also found the remains of their nine-year-old brother in the apartment so there had been four children the nine-year-old had been dead for up to a year and had just been basically left out in the apartment he wasn't hidden or you know, I'm assuming he was just out in like a lounge room or a bedroom or something like that. The police said that they had, the kids had been there for an extended period of time. And I think he said like it was a very extended, it wasn't just a week or, you know, he insinuated that it was a long time. Well, the 15 year old, I guess, said that, that the parents hadn't lived there for several months. So mm. that gives you kind of an estimate that's longer than several months. And so some of the neighbors have been coming out. One neighbor said that he or, he or she bought the kids food and let them charge their mobile their cell phones at their house because apparently the electricity in the kids apartment had been shut off a few months ago we've i just sent to stephanie there was another little update that apparently said the mother used to bring the kids food occasionally but she hadn't been there for a long time the mother and her boyfriend were taken in by police today but they were questioned and released without charge so i'm not entirely sure what's going on if the police are getting ready to charge them or maybe like we were saying maybe the mother didn't have custody of these children i don't know cps have said there was no open and active kind of case for these kids they weren't under cps care or weren't meant to be under cps care they had been there in the past i think yeah said, right yeah but nothing current so it's a very, very strange one. There's just more like one neighbour said, like everyone was like, how could they not smell this, you know, the remains? And one neighbour said she did or, you know, he or she did. So they left the air conditioning on so they wouldn't smell it and, you know, different things like that. It seems like a lot of um, one of those situations where there's a lot of people who are just like, well, I don't want to get involved in that. Yeah. And yeah. Like, if this woman's letting them charge their cell phones and bringing them food, how is she not like what's going on? I found this statement from CPS. It says Child Protective Services does have history with the family, but there was no active CPS investigation at the time the children were discovered alone in the apartment. Um, Another thing a lot of people were asking was how were they living in the apartment? Who was paying their rent? Turns out it is Section 8 housing, so it's paid for by the government. So that isn't really something that it's not like someone was paying the rent. 
I didn't have to worry about that. I did see someone commented on it. I think it was on our Facebook page post about it. And they'd seen a comment from someone who worked at the apartment complex. Like I think it might have been like a manager or something like that. And basically that the tenants needed to sign the renewal. And I, I don't know if this is how it works because obviously I'm not familiar with the whole process there. I'll just find that whole comment and read it out. Hold on a sec. It basically, it was this the apartment manager had been kind of posting on Facebook about it. So there was low income housing. The tenant had to sign the renewal, but the tenant wouldn't let them inside unless something was suspected as being wrong. The kind of management couldn't enter and evict them due to COVID. She said that she just talked to the tenant and the tenant signed the renewal via email after she was told she would lose her 10K in rental assistance if she didn't sign it. So who who is the tenant though? Well, yeah, I don't know how are they contacting this woman by email, and I don't know. We don't like. There's no names at all that have been released yet that mm-hmm. I've seen. I'm sure it'll come out in the next few days. But it's a very very strange case. I know someone said that they a neighbor said they saw the 15 year old looking out the window occasionally, but didn't do anything about it, and you know different things like that. But who knows? They turned off their air conditioners and they looked away. <laughs> crazy it's just unbelievable to me that that can happen like I, you know and everyone's like why didn't the 15 year old go for help and I said there could be a multitude of reasons he could be disabled maybe he didn't understand how to go for help he may have been worried that he would be split up from his siblings they could have been abused and treated like garbage their whole life where they don't really know what they're supposed to do or who they're supposed to contact they clearly could have been... the school wasn't worried about them do yeah. they even go into school who knows they could have been terrified that their mother or whoever would find out you know like I guess Essentially, the 15-year-old is still a child. It's not, it shouldn't have been his responsibility to sort out this situation. Yeah, and I saw someone saying, it said that the parents hadn't lived there for several months, but could they have still been visiting or whoever was in charge of them been, like, stopping by occasionally? And then they hadn't showed up for a while. Maybe that's why the 15-year-old finally got concerned. But for all we know, the 15-year-old could have thought this was, this was normal life. Yeah. With the abandoned kids in Houston, there's actually been a lot of updates with this case in the last day or so. We're going to talk about it next time because there's so much that we can talk about with this one. We'll definitely talk about what absolute losers the parents are. It turns out the mom and her boyfriend were arrested. The boyfriend did murder the eight-year-old approximately in November 2020, but we found his social media and stuff. And he is the embodiment of a loser. So I know that this is a case you guys are all into. We are going to talk about it much more next time. So next episode, we are going to finish off with Daniel next episode. And that one is also very mysterious. Lots to take in with that one. And then after that, we're thinking of doing Cleo, depending what happens with her case. If she is still missing by then, that'll be crazy. But I kind of feel like she will be, sadly. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, I don't know. The the one thing that makes me think, I know we mentioned quickly that they've maybe identified the car, which maybe will lead to something, but who knows? I've given up trying to guess with these cases. I can never, ever... Anymore. <laughs> um, so we'll talk about those coming up. Um, as always, everything will be on the blog at truecrimesocietyblog.com. Uh, follow us on Instagram. That's where we post the updates kind of the quickest. Um, we have our forum at truecrimesociety.com where you can have a chat without getting in trouble or shadow banned by Facebook. And so, yeah, just follow us wherever. That's where we post everything. Oh, and also keep sharing that you're listening to the podcast on your Instagram stories. It's a great way 
to support us for free we can share it you could share it maybe you got true crime friends they'll see it and they'll be like hey let me check out this podcast great way to help us get the word out so keep doing that we love to see it and also leave us a nice review don't leave us a mean <laughs> review leave us a nice <laughs> review and we'll it'll really make our day and we'll repost it and just know that you'll leave us with smiles on our faces <laughs> okay now that's it i think <laughs> that's it we're all done all right talk to you guys next time yeah bye